All right, welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, joining me on the show is Jolene Abbott. She is the SVP Global Marketing at Ember. And this is an awesome conversation really about mentoring, both going out, finding a mentor, and then two, becoming a mentor yourself and how you can do that in today's world with remote work. Jolene has some great tips and tricks on systematizing it, how to structure one-on-ones. I love this conversation. I think it's something that if you're a leader in a company, this is going to be a really, really valuable conversation. So definitely, yeah, definitely stick around for this. But before we get into this, this show is put on by Cave. So we're an agency based out of LA that helps companies grow. If you need any help with your online marketing, head over to cavesocial.com. We would love to help you out. All right, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Ooh, what's going on, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is Jolene Abbott. She is the SVP and head of global marketing at Ember Technologies. You can find them at ember.com. Jolene, how you doing? I'm great. I'm doing well. Thanks, Jordan. I'm excited to have you on and talk about mentoring and, you know, <laughs> leaders creating leaders and us passing the torch and so many things that go into that and, you know, your inspiration and kind of what's led you to, you know, become passionate about that now. But before we get into that, I want to hear your story. How did you get into this world of marketing? Was it by accident? Was it always the plan? Walk me through your journey today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even kind of going going way back, you know, I I didn't even realize truthfully, like what brands were, but I knew that I, and what it really meant, but I knew that I loved them. I loved magazines. I would, you know, hoard them when they would come and I loved the ads. And so right then and there, I'm like, okay, there's definitely an interest here when I, when I got, you know, I would get just sucked into these, these worlds, um, in these beautiful print ads and magazines that, you know, even more so, or as much as the articles. And so from a very, very young age, I just, I love brands. And it was interesting as I got older to understand, well, why, you know, why am I so loyal to this car company for 20 years? And this is the only, only brand I want to drive or, or, you know, why are we so loyal to a specific coffee or, you know, how do these brands create such emotion from a photo? I thought it was incredibly fascinating, especially if you look at these, you know, kind of in that premium luxury space, kind of back in the day when print magazines really ruled as well. So I'm definitely dating myself. So from there, you know, I've always had that seat. I also loved business. My father has been a incredible like impact on my life. He was a company man, you know, corporate man worked in the auto industry for many, many years. And, you know, kind of instilled in the early leadership books at a pretty young age, like, you know, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think I got that in as like a freshman in high school from him. So I had this hybrid where I, I loved business. And I loved branding, but I didn't really understand at that point, like what my career would look like. So when I went to college, I just started thinking about, I was like, okay, well, I need to pick a career. And it was like PR and marketing, like that fits my personality. I'm outgoing and I love people. And once I saw, you know, the job description, like this is what I want to do. So I went to school for communications and I got my first job working at a boutique PR firm on Abbott Kitty in Venice. And it was incredible, but it is, I will say, you know, we probably have some leaders on here before agency life is not for the faint of heart, but it is a great 
way to learn. You get to work across so many different brands. You move up very quickly. You toughen up pretty quickly. (laughs) And so I started my career in the agency life and worked across incredible brands from Tag Heuer to Jaguar Land Rover, uh, CB2, Crate and Barrel, beauty brands. I mean, I got such a breadth of experience and also worked on startups. There were some interesting startups in LA as the Silicon kind of beach was growing. And I got to see that culture and, and really start to get a little bit more interest in that tech space. So, so after being at Agency Life for many years, I then realized I wanted to go in-house and really be a part of the decision making process and, you know, be the ones evaluating these opportunities and then really seeing that impact drive, what that impact can drive at a company. So I got an opportunity uh, through a friend of mine. Uh, Everything comes through connections. I've gotten every opportunity, I think, for the most part, through some sort of connection. So a friend called me up and said, hey, there's this opportunity at Skechers and definitely knew the brand. I did not know how big it was or, you know, at the time, it was the second largest footwear company after Nike in the US. So big footwear company based in Manhattan Beach. And I was like, this sounds fantastic. And it was a really amazing opportunity to go in, come in from the outside, they wanted kind of fresh thinking to work for the CEO of, of Skechers and really help launch a new division, their performance division. So I got to work in the running space, golf, work with all of the athletes, uh, traveled and really developed a new brand within a brand, and then also led philanthropic efforts. And so that was incredible to go from a agency life to go work at a you know multi billion dollar global company and really see how a company of that size operates and also work very closely under the founder and CEO and the rest of the C-suite. So it was a really amazing opportunity. And then after Skechers, I was there a few years, again, through connection, I got a phone call on a business trip, I remember. And a friend of mine was like, hey, you've got to check out this company, Ember, that's launching. It was out there in the world. They had done Indiegogo and had a website with one of the temperature control mugs, the travel mug. And they're like, they're looking for someone to come in and, and lead lead comms and marketing. And I was intrigued, but you know, it, and I was really interested in going to startup. I wanted to then I, I had this like big company experience, but you know, I was like, now I really want to learn how to build a company from the ground up and build a brand from the ground up. So I was like kind of intentionally cherry picking these different job opportunities to give me this very like kind of very holistic experience. And so I was like, that sounds fun. I want to go to a startup. I've always always interested in that space. And so I met with the founder and CEO. Of course, we met for a coffee at Starbucks. And his name is Clay Alexander. And he really just laid out his vision for launching the world's first temperature control smart mug. But beyond that is was creating a temperature control brand. And using all of that technology and his innovations to put temperature control into everyday products, but even more so even into healthcare, and which is really making like a meaningful impact to help change people's lives. And so he laid out this incredible vision and I was I was hooked. I came over to Ember and we hit the ground running. I had a business trip to Starbucks on my second day. <laughs> Very green. They just I just jumped right in and the rest is history. We've been we've been building Ember to a you know kind of a household name now. And it's exciting to see where I joined. No one knew what Ember was. They're like, what are you doing? What is this like, you know, really fancy coffee cup? And I'm like, no, it's so more than that. I was always having to explain it. And now people are like, of course, I know Ember. I have one or I love Ember. And so just to see the impact of how you can go from a brand that nobody knows to a brand that people are now love and product that people love is so exciting to see that come full circle. So I love it. That's a high level overview. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love it. I love that you had like, you know, the agency dipping the toes in the agency world, which a lot of people have. I mean, we're an agency. That's my primary 
you know, outside yeah. of this passion project, the podcast is, yeah, we're like a lot of different projects. It's awesome. But then going into Skechers and being like, okay, this is how a multi-billion dollar massive brand works. And taking some of the systems and the thinking and the way that they would approach problems and, oh, how do they do that, you know, at massive, massive scale, right? Mm-hmm. And then kind of taking that next level. I love going, okay, now you're back into the scrappy startup where you kind of got to mix both of those worlds, both what exactly you saw, right. it, a single brand focus, but two, with the scrappiness of the agency. I love hearing that. And then, um, yeah, Ember, the product is super cool. That's one of those ones when I saw it, I'm like, Okay, demand. Everyone drinks coffee too. Everyone's burnt their mouth or had cold coffee they're mad about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, or leave it in the and, microwave like I would. I was notorious. I would open my microwave. I'm like, oh yeah. And I got a microwave only to reheat my coffee. I don't really use it for anything else. And I would see it in there like hours later after I forgot about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I did that this morning. Um, <laughs> So I love that when a product is, in my eyes, like a home run product, I'm like, okay. That's, so now it becomes one of those, like you said, get the messaging out. You're not explaining yourself as much when people are like, oh yeah, of course. Like I see that utility for that. I'm now working from home too. I'm probably making a lot more coffees at my house versus to just go into the office and having the thing poured or the coffee machine make me a, a, a coffee. So it's an interesting time. Now, changing the beat here, changing the song a little bit, I do want to talk about how you have outside of ember or maybe it's within but you said offline that you recently got an executive coach and you've started to become or you started to really lean on you know mentors in your own life and the trusted advisors having kind of your own board of personal advisors and then how that's inspired you to really get involved with mentoring yourself so i guess walk me through that journey of like how did you find an executive coach and mentors? Was there a moment where you're like, I really need this? Did a, did somebody say, hey, you got to meet this person? Like walk me through that. And then we'll get in more so into like how you're approaching mentoring yourself, um, mentoring you know others on your others. team and women in business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even, even before the coach, I had a couple incredible bosses. And recently when I first joined Ember, I had a boss who was just taught me so much, taught me so much about how truly you can bring your full self to work and how to lead with kindness and empathy and have a strong moral compass and encourage people and while also doing phenomenal work. And he's still, and he's still a dear friend and still mentors me. I mean, I, I see someone I go to for advice a lot. And, you know, I feel so lucky to have had him and, and some other people like that in my career to help shape me. And, and you know, I was having this, having this conversation earlier today where especially when you kind of make these leaps in your career and you go from maybe managing your first person or first couple of people to then a bigger team to then a department to then, you know, getting into the C-suite and beyond, like we're not really taught how to do that. We're thrown in, especially in the early years, you're just thrown in, you just have to observe and watch and, and, but you know, very few companies from my experience really set their leaders up for success by creating a, a path for them to become better leaders and teaching them. So, and I just became, became like really, really, really passionate about this because I wanted to be a better leader. I still want to always be learning and grow and, um, and realize I'm like, I need coaches, you know, just like, 
any sports team or any athlete, you know, you need a team of people, you need coaches to help teach you and help keep you accountable. And the kind of taking that and kind of getting to that point in my career where I was like, okay, I'm really ready to take my skills to the next level. And like, how can I be a better leader and a better mentor and a better example for my team and, and for our company? So I was paddleboarding in Marina Del Rey one morning with a, a friend of mine. I have a couple of girlfriends who we paddleboard and we talk about business. We talk about what's going on in our lives. And a woman mentioned, she's like, I have this woman, a, a business coach that I've been working with. She's fantastic. So she gave me her information. I called her up and I started seeing the results immediately. And part of it is just having that sounding board, having someone who's not a friend that you're constantly need to go to. And also sometimes as you progress in your careers, your friends are going to be in different places. So you just can't always relate necessarily to what you're going through. So having a coach to really, who understands, who understands the corporate world and different dynamics. And I mean, I just felt like I had someone in my corner. And someone to kind of go to when I needed to really talk something out or just want to sharpen my skills. So it's incredibly valuable. I know that, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, coaching can be very expensive. It's an investment. Some companies will pay for it, which is fantastic. But then I, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it without having a coach because podcasts, for example, there is just a wealth of knowledge out there now on the internet between, between books and podcasts and YouTube and things like that. I mean, you can get a lot of information. I was doing that, but then I wanted something more personalized for for Jolene, for myself and for my exact, you know, challenges and growth. So yeah, it sparked, it kind of ignited something in me also, as we're going to talk about, like, how do I then pay it forward? And I think, and I was always doing that in my career and, and always doing that at Ember, but really now being a little bit more intentional with how can I now give back? How can I help set up the future leaders at Ember or, or, you know, even around me, just other women I engage with, how can I give back and help set them up for success and give them tools that I've learned along the way? And help people, right? Help people maybe avoid the speed bumps that you had to drive over. And I think that's so important. I think too, you, you said something at the start where, you know, well, now we're in the work from home or hybrid situation, you have more decentralized teams. And a lot of that learning that may have come from exposure in the office. It hasn't disappeared, but we have to find ways to replace it or intentionally recreate it. I think that too, you know, you said like it's like creating leaders and giving people a sounding board. I'm a big believer in transparency and instant feedback, coaching and telling people when they come on board, hey, we're approaching this like a sports team. When a coach tells a basketball player, hey, take two more steps before you take a shot. They're not personally insulting you. So when we say, hey, we need to add two colors and move the text over a little, they're just coaching. Yeah. And or, hey, when this is how we're going to address like hey, in emails. We're going to talk like this when we address clients. This is how I would do this. This is how we're going to move forward. And I think it comes down to I love sports teams as analogies for I can go on all day about it. But yeah. once team members understand their role and how the work contributes to the entire project and the entire company. They're like, oh, that's why I needed to send that email. Oh, that's why I needed to have that meeting. That's why I needed to take that client for lunch. That's why deadline was at this point. And that to me comes down to transparency, which I think you're kind of like looking at now with the decentralized teams. I want to know how do you approach, okay, how are you more intentional with mentoring, right? Maybe those organic moments aren't happening. So you have to be more intentional. Is it putting time in the calendar? Like walk me through your process and what that would mean. Like a takeaway for someone who maybe is like listening to this being like, Hey, I want to start doing that, but where should I go? 
Absolutely. And I love everything you just said. I cannot agree more. Um, you know, one thing I do that has worked and is really successful is I, I set up one-on-ones with my direct reports. And I've gone beyond that where I was setting up one-on-ones with some of the more kind of more junior team that reported into my direct reports. Because some people just need, like, especially the new employees that had not, you know, didn't have a chance to be in the office, didn't have a chance to build rapport. Sometimes it's easier to speak to someone who you don't directly report into. And so, yes, it is time consuming. But the way that I set it up from the get go is like, look, this isn't a to do list. It's not meant for you to report into me of like what you're working on necessarily, unless you need help. It is truly for you this time. I'm carving this time out for you. And it's an open door to talk about whatever is on your mind. And it's amazing. Once you build that trust, what you start hearing, you know, I had a team member was like, look, I'm really struggling with the remote work. I'm isolated. I feel like I'm not connecting with this team. And you guys are all so close. And I feel like I'm I'm just a little bit of an outsider. I wouldn't have necessarily gotten that information without setting up these one-on-ones and being and building a report. I'm like, that's really important for me. And I was like, well, we need to fix that. <laughs> and we need to, we need to create a culture and, and what can we do? And so and make it really collaborative. But I will say that's something. So I that's something that I learned and I think it's been just really invaluable. And yes, some people we get busy. And I really do try to hold those in the meeting, in my calendar, not move them. And it can even be 15 minutes, but just a time, like, again, it's me being there for them, not me saying, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And yes, there can be a little bit of that if there's like some urgent things coming up. But I try to do that in other meetings or in emails. This one-on-one is really about their career growth or how can I help you know, alleviate, I liked your kind of speed bumps, how can I help alleviate any of those that you might come across? So it's very simple. It's basic. But from my experience, it really works. And people appreciate it. People want to be heard. And you have to then take action on it. You have to be accountable and responsible. If someone's sharing that with you and they're asking for help, you then have to take action. Otherwise, you know, you'll lose that rapport and, and respect. So that's the other key piece is you're not, you can't just listen. You have, to, you have to help them either come to a solution or help solve the issue. There's uh, interesting things that I, I've heard people say and and I've started to, I try to do and, you know, no, it's perfect, but I think I've helped at least us with one-on-ones just, I'll share with, you know, you and the listener. But one thing that was like, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I never thought of that moment was if you're having a one-on-one, a quarterly review, all of these things, and a person has been great 95% of the time and they have 5% to work on, don't spend 95% of the meeting talking about the 5% that they need to work on. Yeah. Spend like, congratulate, reiterate, hey, this is you're doing these things all amazing. And here's the little area we need to like, here's the area where we have areas for growth or we need to do and then you just spend 5% of the meeting on 5% of the issues. And I'm just like, yes, if I didn't hear that, I would have went into my first one on one and just been like, all right, here's a to do list of whatever improvements. And it turns into like a reprimand session for somebody who's awesome 95% of the time. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Like, we're on the same team. This is a collaborative, you know, meeting. The other thing I like to do, and it's, I record them and I go back and watch. Mm. And what I do is I watch, I say, hey, it's being recorded. And I go back and watch myself. It's watching game film. Did I do anything cringy? Did I, could I have asked any questions better? Did I interrupt? Should I have been listening more? Sounds weird. I, I think I, for myself, I need it. So yeah. those are two things that I've started doing. That's really interesting, though, because I think a lot of us don't pause to, to reflect on ourselves and just, you know, and I think that's really important. It's, it's nice to get that, you know, 360 kind of feedback. It's hard to do it on your own. And it's kind of that's probably the best way is to have it recorded. But 
And I love what you were saying, just going back to transparency too. I think the other thing is we all get so busy. We get so, you know, sometimes, especially when there's, when it's stressful and you're under pressure, I think being transparent and and connecting people to what you were saying about why their work matters is so critical. It's that internal motivation. It's like that extra gear when you are exhausted and you're on on a huge deadline and everyone's feeling it, you know, it's palpable on the team. You've got to kind of go, you've got to be able to get into that extra gear. And like, when you know that why, and when you take a moment back and when you're the boss can be like, Hey, look, this is why we're doing this. And once we're through, it's going to be incredible, but let's kind of have fun and enjoy the process. As, As you were just saying, as a coach, part of it is we need to remember to motivate the team. And I think we get so down into the details and like do X, Y, and Z, and we forget to take kind of Put, pop your head above the clouds, take a breath and help motivate people again. And you need to do that every so often. It's just so easy to get into the grind and completely forget. 100%. Something that's interesting too, I've been thinking about this on like a, uh, I think, yes, preach the why from the mountaintops and people have to know and like be reminded. But then there's also micro whys. And what mm-hmm. I'll explain that is this happened this week at our company. One of our graphic designers is going to Coachella. She's there today. I had a meet, we had our team meeting like Thursday and I said, everybody, today's the day to bring the juice because tomorrow, if I'm like Pascal, she's out right now in Coachella. I said, if you need something from Pascal, those requests need to happen by 10 a.m. today because we want her to enjoy her vacation. So that right now, everybody bring the juice today. Let's get it done. So she can, she's going to see her favorite artist. We all like, you know, we all love Pascal. We root for her. So, oh, that's our micro why today is like, let's all lock it in so she can engage her or enjoy her vacation. And I knew I was like, look, tomorrow's Friday. She's gonna be gone. I have podcasts. I know everyone's gonna be checked out at like 2 p.m. anyway. So like, let's bring the juice today. Today is the day we bring it. And lo and behold, everything gets done, right? Like, it's right. <laughs> it's amazing what we can drag out if we have more time. Uh, I yeah. love I love that because you're also celebrating your teams just respecting their lives and celebrating what's important to them outside of work, which creates a tighter culture and creates a tight-knit team. I, I absolutely I love that. It's a great one, Jordan. Yeah, it's been it's, it's interesting, right? We're a small team, so we have those little dynamics that obviously get tougher to scale. But I think having those human moments, which is really yes. I think the yes. the the centerpiece of this conversation is how do you, you know, enable those human moments and have them regularly. So yeah, Jolene, I appreciate you coming on today for anybody who wants to one, learn about Ember and then two connect with you online. Where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Ember.com. And for me, LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. I spend, it's probably, it's probably spend more on this, on that channel than any other social media. I will admit it publicly. (laughs) So big fan, very easy. Jolene Abbott, you can find me. Amazing. And I will put links to both of those in the show notes page. Thanks again for coming on, Jolene. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to you, listener. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you next time.